0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Uh, Leave a review on Podchaser. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Try and leave a review on Stitcher. I don't know. Uh, Donate at... BuyMeACoffee.com backslash SSCast. Become a Patreon member at Patreon.com slash single simulcast. Yeah, let's get it. Chapter 18. I don't know, but I'm ready for whatever. Zaire. Murder forcefully flipped down his phone after he got a disconnection message when he tried to call Mecca. He knew something was up because Mecca had gotten his number changed and hadn't called him back. Murder kept regretting the fact that he had Carter, Zaire, and Mecca in the room all together and didn't pop off. Damn it! Murder yelled as he began to pace the room. He was determined to kill the cartel. He was done playing around and trying to sneak his way in. He was about to blow heads off and play it how it went. Murder loaded up some explosives that he had purchased from one of Ares and Robin's weapon connections. He gently placed them in a duffel bag and prepared to take them to the warehouse the Mecca had taken him to. He knew eventually that they would meet there again, and when the time came, he was going to light that warehouse up like the 4th of July. Murder loaded up and headed out, seeking blood. Carter and Zaire made it to the hotel where Breeze and Mecca were staying. They were about to have a small meeting and decide on what to do about the new problem with the Guards Garza cartel. Carter had switched cars, and his paranoia was at an all-time high. He knew that his team was no match for Felipe and his organization. Felipe had a whole country behind him, so no matter how many goons Carter killed, Felipe would just keep sending crews until the cartel was completely dead. Carter tried to call Mecca, but his phone kept going straight to voicemail. Carter noticed when he was pulling up to the hotel's entrance that the door was blocked off and an under-construction sign was put up. We probably have to go through the back, Zaire said as he took a look at the blocked-off door. It was something like no other. Twenty two bodies lay sprawled out on the block at ten o'clock in the morning. The same block where Zaire had blown off the hustler's head now looked like a battleground after combat. All of the hustlers and some of the drug dealers were dead at the hands of automatic assault rifles. More than five hundred shell casings were scattered over the block, and the Garza cartel was the cause of this melee. Felipe had declared war and sent his hoodlums to kill anything moving. Anyone who had anything to do with the cartel was a target. It was something that Miami had never seen before, and it was only the beginning. Do they tell him so? Yo, Felipe, you know what? Business is going real good. Matter of fact, these are the blocks we've locked down. Look, I put it on the map for you. Look, look, what stickers. See this smiley face right here? This is the pork, the pork and beans projects. And and this winky eye right here, this is the block near the pork and beans projects, but it's not the pork and bean projects. And this one right here, this hot dog, this is Breeze's restaurant because you're going to get hungry. And it's a family place, so I want you to go ahead and support the family. You know what I'm saying? Big up. How'd he find out? Ileana failed to mention to Felipe that she had slipped Breeze dope and only told her family about the beating Zaira put on her. Needless to say, they were infuriated. The sad part was that this was only the beginning. I still don't understand why they sent Ileana to do this job. Like, why exactly in a place where you need somebody to keep their eyes on the dope, would you send somebody who's not familiar with the dope? I mean, somebody who's not literally a part of the cartel. That's like the Diamond Cartel sending Breeze to check shit out. She immediately went and all she wanted to do was fuck people. And instead, she fucked people. And then she got assaulted, unfortunately. That still doesn't sit right with me. Zaire and Carter pulled onto the block to witness the scene. Carter shook his head from side to side as he thought about what Zaire had gotten them into. Carter couldn't get too mad, because he knew that he would have reacted the same way if he had caught Ileana giving Breeze the dope. This isn't good, Carter said in a low tone as he slowly drove by the scene, not wanting to stop. Zaire looked at the bodies and saw his little man scoot lying awkwardly on the pavement with blood leaking from his body. Damn. The kid was only 16 years old, Zaire said as he quickly turned his head, trying to look at the kid's lifeless eyes. Police had begun to rope off the area, and ambulances were at the scene, but it was all for nothing, because there was no one to save. Everyone was dead. Just as Carter reached the end of the block, they were taken by surprise. Two white vans without windows blocked Carter's car, boxing him in so he couldn't escape. What the fuck? Carter said under his breath as he watched the scene unfold. He didn't realize what was going on, but he would soon find out. A third van quickly pulled up in front of Carter's car, and the sliding doors on all the vans seemed to open at the same time. Three men hopped out of each van, each of them carrying military assault rifles. They began to riddle the car with bullets. The guards of cartel had orchestrated a perfect hit. They knew that Carter, Zaire, or Mecca would visit the crime scene, and prayed in anticipation until they eventually showed up. Carter quickly ducked down, and Zaire did also. The thud of the bullets hitting the car sounded like a hailstorm, as the gunman spared no ammunition and lit up the car in broad daylight. Luckily, Carter was driving his bulletproof Benz, so no bullets penetrated the interior of his car. I'm I'm chuckling while I'm saying this because I'm thinking back to when I was a kid, and you would play cops and robbers, and no matter what we knew the future so when you play cops and robbers it would always devolve into a shootout and there'd always be that one kid that one little nigga who would get shot up by somebody by like six somebodies and they'd all be standing there with their finger guns out like bow, 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 and he'd be like Bling! i got on a bulletproof outfit and they'd be like, well, I shot you in the head. And they'd be like, I got, a, I got a force field around me. And it was all just so convenient how it always turned out that this kid never got shot because he didn't want to get his clothes dirty. Because my mom would have whooped my ass. The Miami police ducked for cover and began to call for backup on the <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it was me. My bad. The Miami police ducked for cover and began, I mean, why the fuck would I want to lay down? Y'all can't prove that you hit me. Just because you're pointing right at me doesn't mean you're pointing right at me. There's no evidence, and the absence of evidence means the absence of proof. Pwing! The Miami police ducked for cover and began to call for backup on their walkie-talkies as the block Underwood Pandemonium. Some of the officers began to run towards the gunmen with their guns drawn, demanding them to drop their weapons. The Mexicans didn't care if they were uniformed cops. They shot at them also. In their country, there was no authority above their cartel. The Mexican gunplay was too much for the officers, and the Miami Police Department had to back down and wait for help. After noticing that Carter's car was bulletproof, one of the gunmen said something in Spanish. It was probably something like, Yo, that nigga's car is bulletproof! Because, you know, you've got... Three people hopping out of each car. So that's nine people all shooting at the car and none of the bullets penetrate. It'll probably take like three bullets shooting at a car before you realize the car's bulletproof. Donda es bulletproof. Matter of fact, fuck it. Hey Siri, how do you say the car is bulletproof in Spanish? In Spanish, the car is bulletproof is... El coche es resistente a las balas goddamn right that's what we doing here somebody better help me out because este el coche es resistente a las balas yeah yo stop shooting at that goddamn car because the bullets are ricocheting off it and hit my little nigga in the ankle don't y'all recognize el coche es resistente a las balas <laughs> <laughs> and the Mexicans hopped in their vans and peeled off, leaving black tire marks on the pavement and smoking tires. Car- well, that's redundant. Leaving black tire marks on the pavement and smoking tires. Carter and Zaire grabbed their guns from under the seat and watched as the vans disappeared off the block. Both of their hearts were pounding rapidly as they escaped the deadly ambush by the skin of their teeth. You good? Carter asked as he looked Zaire's body up and down to see if he was hit. Yeah. I'm good. You? Zaire asked as he breathed heavily. Yeah, Carter responded as his phone began to ring. He looked at the caller ID and noticed the incoming call was blocked. Carter picked up the phone and heard the operator's voice. The call was from a federal penitentiary. Okay, it's Josiah. I accept, Carter spoke into the phone. My dear friend, I'm hurt that you crossed the line, and for that, You will suffer, Garza said calmly and confidently. I have no control over what happens after this point. My only advice to you is to flee as far away as you can. There's nowhere in the country where Felipe can't find you and your family. With that, I'll say goodbye, Garza said just before hanging up the phone. Carter didn't know what to say, so he didn't say anything. He just closed his phone and shook his head from side to side. We have to get out of here. Carter said as he steered the bullet-riddled car off the block. The tires were flattened, but Carter wanted to leave before the cops approached him, asking questions. Zaire and Carter were silent because they knew that they had just started a war with one of the deadliest cartels in North America. In the meantime, Breeze was asleep in the hotel room, with Mecca present with her. Mecca was up looking out of the window with a gun in his hand, you know. Like Malcolm. That's That's what they wanted to, like, he's looking out for his family, like Malcolm X looking out the window with an AK. Come on, I know y'all know that one. People want to know how come I got the gat and I'm looking out the window like, Malcolm? It's Ice Cube from Wicked. That was his voice back then. Because the song was all boisterous and stuff, and they had the reggae in the background. Ice Cube, why don't you play this song? And so Ice Cube wanted to take on more of a, Skitty to bone type voice, so he was like, People want to know how come I got the get and I'm looking out the window like Malcolm ready to bring that noise. Come and trigger happy like the get to boys. No, okay, fine. After giving him the news of a melee on their block, Carter had told him to check into a hotel downtown just to be safe. He knew that Iliana knew about their personal residences and he didn't want to take any chances. You know why she knows. Be, be, because Zaire took her with him when, she, when he was fucking her. Mecca looked at the gun in his hand and shook his head. He didn't feel the same adrenaline rush that he once did when feeling the cold still in his palms. Actually, it started to disgust him. Mecca was tired of selling drugs, tired of murders, and tired of the cartel. He knew that if his family wasn't a part of the cartel, they would all be there with him and not dead. He looked over at his sleeping beauty, his baby sister, and wanted more for her. He refused to lose her again. Mecca's mind ran wild as he began to think about religion, and it seemed as if every time he closed his eyes, he saw a person's face that he had once murdered. Throughout his killing career, it never bothered him to look into the eyes of a person he killed, but now it was crashing down on him like a ton of bricks. Since Mecca was a young boy, he had always wanted to be a gangster. Okay, come on now. Y'all know exactly where that's from, right? Hold on. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Good fellas. You know, one of the greatest. I mean, yeah, sure. Not exactly the same words, but yeah, you see it. You gotta see it. So now we got good fellas. We got uh, Scarface. We got... Scarface because of the whole hurt somebody in the family, so now they send their folks from down south up north to murder you. Yeah, it's happening. Nothing more, nothing less. But now, he wanted to be just a regular man, a family man. His mind was clear since he hadn't been using drugs or drinking, and he really wanted to change. Huh, we were talking about how he hadn't done drugs in a long time in the last episode. This new beef with the Mexicans was one that Mecca didn't want to see. He knew the ramifications of a war, and he wasn't willing to lose any more family over it. Mecca glanced at Breeze once again and then walked over to her and knelt beside the bed next to her. He did something he hadn't done since he was a little boy. He began to pray. Carter and Zaire entered the hotel from the back entrance, using the key card that was provided for the guests. They stepped in and saw three Mexican men run by them with guns in their hands. Carter and Zaire quickly ducked back and out of sight as the men whizzed by them, not even noticing them. "'What the fuck?' Zaire whispered as he and Carter pulled out their guns. Carter had underestimated the guards of cartel. He knew that they had come for Breeze. "'Breeze and Mecca are up there,' Carter said as he looked around the corner and saw the three Mexicans were headed up the stairs. "'Let's use the elevator.' Carter suggested as he caught back his gun and flipped it off safety. Zaire and Carter flew to the elevator, hoping that they would reach the fifth floor before the Mexican goons did. You know what I would have done? I would have had Mexican goons on the elevator. And when they ran to the elevator, light their ass up. Blah blop, blop 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 blop. Carter hurriedly tapped the button in the elevator, trying to make the doors close faster, and Zaire immediately hit the camera that was in the top corner of the elevator knowing that they were about to get in some shit. The door finally closed and they began to go up. Come on, come on, come on, Zaire repeated as he stared at the numbers indicating what floor they were passing. I mean, you're going up the elevator, so chances are it's five floors. I mean, if it was one floor up, I'd be like, you dumb as fuck. But if you're going five floors up, there's a really good chance you're going to get there on the elevator before they do. Because, you know. They're running up 10 flights of or 10 sets of stairs to get up there, whereas you're just going straight up. But if it was only one floor or two floors, yeah, you dumb as shit. They knew that they only had a small window of time to make it to the room before the Mexicans did. I wonder how many are out there, Carter said, believing that Felipe has sent more than three men to do the job. Don't know, but I'm down for whatever. Zaire said bravely as he thought about his love, Breeze, who was in the room with Mecca. They finally reached the fifth floor and... Where's the food? Mecca asked, flicking through the channels as Breeze sat next to him in the bed. Just call Carter and tell him to bring us something on his way here, Breeze said, not wanting to eat the nasty hotel food anyway. You ain't even ate the hotel food. Like, why are you being so ditty? A lot of hotels have really good chefs and make really good food. And if it's downtown, chances are it's a really good place. And if it's got five floors. I mean, the Holiday Inn only got two. No, i take that back. That's the Motel 6. It only got two. Motels did only have two floors. Hotels have, like, a lot of floors. Cool, Mecca agreed as he picked up his phone. Damn, I don't have any service. As soon as the words escaped his mouth, a knock on the door sounded. I don't like that. I'm going to fix that shit. As soon as the words escaped his mouth, there was a knock on the door. Room service, a maid announced with a heavy Spanish accent. Thank God. Finally, some food, Bree said as she sat right and looked at the door. You should be suspicious of anyone with a Spanish accent at this point in time, right? Oh, no. Mecca got up and grabbed his pistol off the bed, wanting to be cautious as he approached the door. He peeked through a peephole and was at ease when he saw that it was a maid with a platter in her hand. Mecca tucked the gun in his waistline and removed the chain lock that was on the door. He reached into his pocket and grabbed some money and opened the door. These niggas are just stupid when they need to be smart. Like, how are you so cautious everywhere else? And here, like, how are y'all able to sniff out? Well, I take that back. Mecca wasn't able to sniff out the murder was against him, so... As soon as the door opened, a Mexican man stepped into view with a sawed-off shotgun aimed directly at Mecca's chest. Before Mecca could even react, the loud sound of the shotgun rang through the air. The blast struck Mecca in his sternum, causing him to fly back viciously. Oh well. I I really do dig the way that y'all had, you know, Mecca have a come to Jesus moment where he started to become a nicer person before he gets shot, but oh well. The nigga did so much shit. So much shit. Why the fuck do I care? Honestly, I don't care about any of these motherfuckers except for Breeze. So fuck Mecca. I hope he's not wearing a vest. Breeze was startled by the blast. And she screamed at the top of her lungs as she saw her brother get blown off of his feet. Breeze screamed at the top of her lungs. You just said that. Breeze screamed at the top of her lungs as she tried to scramble off the bed and run for cover. The man ran in and grabbed Breeze by the hair and flung her violently across the room. He was speaking Spanish, so Breeze couldn't understand him, but his body language and facial expression clearly stated that he hated her and wanted her dead. He grabbed her by the throat, still speaking Spanish, and he sinisterly smirked as he put the gun to Breeze's face. Boom! A loud shot rang throughout the hotel room, and bloods and guts splattered all over Breeze's face, but not blood of her own. It was the blood of the gunman. Duh. She screamed hysterically as the man slumped on her with his face blown off. Mecca stood behind him with the smoking gun. He ripped open his shirt, revealing his bulletproof vest, something he never left home without. Because, you know, even if he wants to get out the game, he doesn't want to get out the game that far. And besides, you are literally catching these motherfuckers by surprise, so aim for the goddamn face! You only get one shot? Aim for the face! You know where they don't have bulletproof shields at? Pwing! Is the face. I lied. There's no such thing as a force field. I just didn't want to lay down. My mom said if I got my school clothes dirty and I went out there and realized too late that I was wearing my school clothes and I was going to get my ass whooped. Pwing! He pushed the man off Breeze and helped her up. Are you okay? He asked as he held his chest. It was tender, sore, and felt like it had been hit with a bat swung by Barry Bonds. And here's another hit, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is my nigga. Like, for real, for real, for real. The greatest baseball player of all time. Fight me, white people. Black folks tend to agree. Him and King Griffey Jr. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really biased in these points. You can't push me off those edges. Yeah, I'm good, Breeze answered as she hugged her brother tightly. Because, you know, he has a tender and sore chest, but, you know, whatever. Mecca heard commotion in the hall and knew that there were more goons coming. He thought quickly and looked towards the window for an escape route. Come on, he said as he pulled Breeze towards the window, knowing that his one gun couldn't go up against whatever was about to come his way. Mecca, all of a sudden, heard shots ringing out and three bodies dropped, tumbling over one another. Mecca quickly pointed his gun at the door, ready to bust whatever came through. He breathed heavily and stood in front of Breeze, willing to be her shield. Carter and Zaire had just dropped the three Mexicans with their accurate shots, and they made their way to the room where they knew Mecca and Breeze were. Mecca! Carter yelled as he ran down the hall with his gun in the firing position. In here! He heard Mecca yell from the suite. Zaire and Carter ran to the door, but looked back and noticed about ten more Mexicans coming from the staircase. Why the fuck did they all take the stairs? Nobody was like, you know what, dude? I've been on my feet all day. I'm just going to take the elevator and meet y'all up there. Hey, these niggas is in the elevator. You know what? I don't think Siri's going to help me, but it's worth a try. Google will help me. Google don't give a fuck. Okay, Google. How do you say, hey, these niggas is in the elevator in Spanish? In Spanish, that's... By the way, I can now translate back and forth... To try it, just keep speaking in either language. Why these niggas in the elevator and ain't nobody shot them yet? Tiene ascensor y nadie le disparó todavía. You don't fucked up, you're fired. Zaire and Carter quickly dipped into the room and closed the door, knowing that they only had seconds to think of something. Is Breeze okay? Zaire asked as he ran to her, and she hugged him tightly while still crying hysterically. I got you, ma, Zaire whispered in her ear as he rubbed her hair. That moment was short lived because Zaire knew that they would be busting in at any moment. How many? Mackey yelled as he pointed his gun at the door along with Carter, waiting for them to come in. Too many, Zaire said as he shook his head. He's right. We can't win, Carter said as he thought about how many goons he saw at the far end of the hall heading their way. We have to jump. It's the only way to make it out alive, Zaire said as he slid the patio door open and looked down at the pool five stories below. This can't work every time, right? Like niggas stay jumping out of windows in the pools in these books. Somebody gotta miss. Somebody, you know, not all black men can jump. Short niggas, you know, tiny legs. Can't make it that far. Not jumping up like Nate Robinson. Yeah, cool, whatever. Spud got you, bro, but Earl Boykins wasn't dunking on nobody and probably couldn't jump that far ahead. Fuck we waiting for, Mecca asked frantically while still aiming at the door. The sounds of bullets trying to shoot the lock off erupted, and they had to make their decision quick. The old Mecca would have never thought twice about shooting it out with the Mexicans and dying in a blaze of glory, but the new Mecca wanted to live. He thought about Lena and his nephew and the fact that he hadn't gotten his redemption yet. That reason alone was enough for him to concede defeat and try to escape. Fuck it, Mecca said as he hurried to the balcony and looked over. Without hesitation, he jumped feet first into the deep pool. Thank God it's a deep pool because, you know, most downtown pools are like five feet, six feet at most. So, you know, for y'all to go to the one hotel that has an Olympic-sized pool in downtown Miami, good look on you. Did you look that up first? Was that on Was that on Yelp? Was that on, I don't know, what the fuck? Hotels.com. That's another one. If you go there, use the code. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have a code. Breeze, then Zaire, followed suit and jumped also. Carter was the last to jump. Just before Carter jumped, the door flew open and the sounds of drums letting loose and releasing numerous bullets sounded. Bullets whizzed by Carter's head and body, forcing him to jump prematurely. He landed in the water and they barely got away. The guards of cartel was too much written to handle. Ruthless would have been an understatement. Okay, so here's my last idea about what's actually going to happen. These three niggas going to fake their deaths. That's it. Carter and Breeze were stationed outside of the warehouse. Why the fuck did they go back to their warehouse? When they had moved all their stuff out because they knew murder was probably sneaky as fuck, trifling. Carter and Breeze were stationed outside the warehouse, waiting for Zaire and Mecca to return. The plan was for them to retrieve all their owed money off the streets and flee the state. The long arm of the Garza cartel was too much for Carter and the cartel. Carter made an executive decision to leave town. He chose not to fight another war. He was smart enough to know when he couldn't win. The cartel was not as strong as it once was, and this was the proof. The Mexicans had pushed him into a corner, and this was the last resort. Is everything going to be okay? Breeze asked her big brother in her most innocent voice. Carter could sense the fear in her tone, and he calmly looked over at her and smiled. I got you, Breeze. Everything's going to be alright. Tonight is the last night we'll ever step foot in Miami. This drug game has torn this family apart. I'm going to make sure that I put this family back together and start a new type of legacy. One built on love and not power. I got you, baby girl, he said as he leaned over and kissed her forehead. This power plant game has torn this family apart. I'm going to make sure I put this company back together and start a new type of legacy. One built on laughter and not screams. I'm sorry, that's Monsters Incorporated. My bad. Breeze felt warm inside, and for a brief second, she thought she was listening to her father. Why, niggas, why? Young Carter resembled him so much, and he also had a way of letting her know that everything would be okay, just as her deceased father would have when he was still alive. Breeze smiled and sat back in the seat, confident in his words and in the bulletproof car. We just have to go in here, count the money, and wait for the sun to rise so we can head out to the airport, Carter said. He felt safe at the warehouse, knowing that it was a spot that the Mexicans wouldn't think to look for him. His plans were to end the cartel's legacy that night and leave the drug game behind. Mecca and Zaire pulled up with three duffel bags full of money. They had collected all their funds out of the streets, and if blocks were short, they just took what they had and called it even. They need a cold, hard cash to relocate and start over. Carter and Bree saw Mecca's car pull behind them, and they got out of the car to enter the warehouse. Soon, they would all be on a private jet to an unknown location. Well, at least that was their plan. Members of the Garza cartel were parked about a half mile away from the warehouse, waiting for the cartel to arrive, and just as they thought, they were there. They were waiting for them to enter so they can go in and ambush them and leave them all dead. They looked through binoculars, watching the whole scenario unfold. Little did they know, they weren't the only ones watching the cartel on that night. Murder waited patiently on the side of the building, watching the cartel walk in. He smiled as he thought about what was about to happen. He held a detonator in his lap. He was about to send all of them to hell first class. Murder was doing this for me and more, and it made them feel good inside. Okay, so they're not going to die in the blast. And then they're all going to think they're dead, and instead of going and investigating, they're just going to drive away. I do want to go back, though. The next day, Mecca had a talk with Carter, and he instantly cut off murder. They also shut down that location as a drop-off and pickup spot. Carter didn't know if murder was a fed or an enemy, but he knew one thing. He could never be a part of the cartel. So maybe they all went to the wrong location and they're at a different location. The place is going to blow up and they're not going to go check and then they're going to have the fake caskets up and it's going to be like this Ocean's Eleven type shit. Who knows? Nope. He watched closely as they all entered the building just before he pulled away. He waited until he got far enough to be clear of the upcoming explosion. Fuck the cartel, he mumbled as he pushed the button and heard the loud boom of the explosives go off. He began to drive away as the debris flew into the air and a massive fireball formed 50 feet into the sky. I said the sky, but they said air, so they said air twice. They have no way of changing their words. His mission was done and the cartel was officially over. May they all burn in hell, he said as he chuckled to himself, disappearing into the night. The last chapter. She probably's in hell, smoking a blunt. That's a real bitch unknown we are gathered here today to celebrate the lives of three of god's children the preacher stood before the many people who attended the funeral of street royalty it was a sad day in miami and on this day the streets were like a ghost town it seemed as if they rewrote the entire prologue to this part so then they could do it all again everyone within the city limits felt this grief the lives of three street legends had been destroyed, and grief overflowed in the ceremony as three silver-plated coffins sat side-by-side side with an array of flower arrangements around them. It was a bright, sunny day, and it seemed as if God shunned his light down from the heavens above to make that hard day seem a tad bit better for the mourning attendees. It was a triple funeral to bury the last of the Diamond family, Breeze, Carter, and Mecca. Hold on, because why the fuck do I want to do this bullshit twice? We are gathered here today to celebrate the lives of three of God's children. The preacher stood before the many people who attended the funeral of street royalty. It was a sad day in Miami, and on this day, the streets were like a ghost town. It seemed as if the entire underworld had stopped to commemorate those they had lost. Everyone within the city limits felt this grief. I fully fucking doubt that anyone who's not involved in a drug game, who isn't involved in getting hit and drive bys and all that kind of shit is probably really fucking happy. I don't think anybody was like, yeah, they're dead and they they brought drugs into the community, but dude, they're 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 rims. Did you hear the music they were playing? They had the newest stuff from like New York. Their clothes The lives of three street legends had been destroyed, and grief overflowed in the ceremony as three silver-plated coffins sat side-by-side side with an array of flower arrangements around them. It was a bright, sunny day, and it seemed as if God shunned his light down from the heavens to make that hard day seem a tad bit better for the morning attendees. It was a triple funeral to bury the last of the Diamond family. Breeze Carter, and Mecca. The fuck? Okay, sorry. The cartel was no more, and it was the last chapter to what was named one of the biggest legacies in Miami's underworld history. Their story was legendary, ruthless, and most of all, classic? Many people were in attendance, but the most important guests were not there to pay their final respects. They were there to confirm that the last of the cartel was deceased and about to be buried into the ground. Robin and Ares were in attendance because Robin didn't die either. Dream sequence, remember. Robin and Ares were in attendance draped in all black dresses with big shades on to keep a low profile. Murder also sat beside them. What the fuck? The demise of the cartel was bittersweet for him, and he gritted his teeth tightly as he thought about Mecca and the missed opportunity to personally kill him on Mia behalf. Nevertheless, Mecca was dead, and that would have been enough for him. What? What? Emilio Estes, Lena, and Monroe Jr. were also in attendance, mourning the loss. They were the only people left alive who could sit on the front pew reserved for family. Although far removed from the diamond legacy, they were the last of a dying bloodline. There was an eerie feeling in the air, and everyone there could sense it. As the preacher held the Holy Bible tightly in his hand and read from the book of Psalms, a stretched limo with tinted windows rolled up slowly about 50 yards away from the service. Many people didn't notice it but the trained eyes were glued to the approaching vehicle. Emilio Estes looked back and saw the limo pull up, and he watched as it came to a slow stop. Estes knew exactly who it was. It was the crew responsible for the very funeral he was at. Emilio, being in his mid-60s and not willing to step back into the streets, conceded defeat and pulled his white handkerchief from the top pocket of his suit. To many... It looked as if Emilio was just removing a hanky, but veterans of the street game knew what that small gesture meant. Emilio wanted the bloodshed to stop and signaled that he would not retaliate. The war was finally over and the cartel was no more. Literally, he was waving a white flag. It was officially the cartel's last chapter. I swear to God. They recreated the prologue for that last chapter word for fucking word. And since they wanted to be lazy and just cut and paste their prologue into the last chapter, I was going to do that shit too. Like, why should I work hard? Because they're not. That is fucking what? So now that I finished reading that shit, now are listening to it. I was good. I was good back then. I had all this hope. (laughs) <laughs> but now that I'm done listening to that shit alone with y'all, I'm going to leave myself a review. Uh, now that I'm done listening to that shit alone with y'all, we can get back to the rest of this chapter as it should have been. Breeze, Zaire, Mecca, and Carter were behind the tent at the stretch limo, watching their own funeral service. They had faked their own deaths, knowing that the guards of cartel was too much for them. Carter knew that his suspicions about murder were correct, and he had one of his goons trail murder. He eventually found out the murderer had placed bombs at the warehouse. Carter then used that to his advantage. It was a risky plan, but it worked. As far as the Mexican beef, it was a war that they could never win. So they outsmarted their enemies rather than outshooting them. Carter came up with a plan to fake their deaths, and it worked like a charm. Carter knew that the guards of the cartel would be watching them when they went into the warehouse. So he orchestrated a plan to sneak out the back door before he blew the place up. He paid a coroner for four dead bodies to match closely to himself, Zaire, Mecca, and Breeze. You mean to tell me the guards of Cartel in all of their infinite numbers and all of their infinite wisdom and all of their infinite vengeance and all of their infinite gunpowder. Didn't think to have two niggas watch the back door. Even the cops go to the back door when they're they're robbing a place, like seriously. But when they're kicking down a door. Even the cops do. So you're telling me that no one said, hey, somebody should probably go around back just to be safe. Just be careful, you know. Hey, hey, you. Go around back. And watch them niggas. Because y'all missed him in the elevator and motherfuckers died. That could have happened. That could have been a conversation. But nope. 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 He paid a coroner for four dead bodies that matched closely to himself, Zaire, Mecca, and Breeze. And placed him at the scene to be found by the authorities. And also, why isn't Zaire at this funeral? Like, why isn't his coffin there? That's fucked up. He's important. He mattered. It's his fault. His plan had worked perfectly. They all sat in a limo with champagne glasses celebrating their victory. You know it would be dope? <laughs> As if the driver took off his hat and it turned out that he was a light-skinned Mexican and turned around and shot Carter in the face. Because that's what happened in the first book. Because the guy who led them to safety wasn't a dark-skinned Haitian with uh, dreads. They thought that they were safe, but it turned out he was a light-skinned Haitian without locks and shot him in the face. This is to new beginnings. The cartel is no more, Breeze said as she raised her glass. Everyone joined her as she began her toast. With the support of her family, she was doing so much better. Why the fuck are they still just sitting there? They should have just drove off. I hope they drove off. It didn't say they drove off. It said they're watching their own shit. Anybody get too close, you know, looking through the window, like a fucking T-Rex in Jurassic Park and shit, will see that, hey, these niggas ain't dead. Anybody who gets too fucking close to the fucking casket will see, hey, these niggas ain't dead. Everyone joined her as she began her toast. With the support of her family, she was doing so much better. She had vowed to never touch another drug in her life. And so far, she was beating her addiction. She was more than ready to leave everything behind. To the car, Mecca started. He forgot that the cartel was news of the past. My fault. That gangster shit's still in me, he said while smiling. To family, he said as he raised his glass a tad bit higher. To family. Everyone said in unison, repeating what Mecca had just said. Another limo pulled up behind them and they all knew that it was Felipe and his people. They had come to confirm their deaths. Carter laughed and signaled for the driver to pull off. They had to catch a flight to Brazil. The cartel was officially dead to the world. Two weeks later in Brazil, Zaire looked at Breeze as she approached him. You know what? If I saw a limo pulling off and I was the only nigga that should have a limo, I'd be like, follow that limo. One of y'all niggas behind me, one of y'all Mexican motherfuckers behind me, follow that limo. Just to be safe, follow it. Because y'all didn't stand at the back door like I told you to, follow that limo. Zaire looked at Breeze as she approached him with a flowing white dress and a veil over her face. Breeze had never looked more beautiful to him than she did on that very day. Mecca walked on her right side, where their father should have been, and he gripped her hand for support. It was her wedding day, a day that their mother and father had looked forward to since Breeze was a young girl. Although they couldn't be present, Mecca felt their spirits in the air. They're looking down on you today, Breeze. They're here, Mecca whispered. Breeze knew that he was speaking of their parents, and smiled as her eyes lifted to the sky to acknowledge them. Carter was next to Zaire, acting as his best man for the ceremony. The only witness present outside of the cartel family was a Catholic priest of the church they used. Zaire smiled from ear to ear as he patiently waited to be joined by his bride. As they approached, Zaire looked at Breeze and promised himself that he would take care of her forever and a day. She made him happy, and he was determined to return that favor for a lifetime. Zaire asked Breeze to marry him while they were on the jet coming to Brazil, and she graciously accepted It didn't take long for them to start planning for the small ceremony and make it happen. Breeze approached Zaire, and they stood face to face, looking into each other's eyes. Breeze was full of tears because not only was she overwhelmed with happiness, but also great sadness. She wanted to share this special day with her family, but she only had a few people left. This day had brought about mixed emotions for her. She had never missed her parents in Monroe more than she had today but the man who stood before her gave her strength. In his eyes, she saw her future, and it was filled with love. Her newfound joy with Zaire allowed her to push the sadness out of her mind, and she smiled from ear to ear. The priest began the ceremony, and it was nothing but love in the room. They were a match made in heaven. Hold, please. You know, it just dawned on me, back in the last chapter, and in the prologue, when... Estes was uh, waving his hanky. He was actually waving it to indicate that he wasn't going to come after Mecca anymore. Because Mecca was leaving Lena behind. I'm thinking that because that's way more poetic. That he was waving the hanky to the limo to indicate that he wouldn't retaliate and he wanted the bloodshed to stop but he was waving it to Mecca and they both understood what was going on in the stipulations. I now pronounce you man and wife, the priest said as he smiled and nodded his head at Zaire. Zaire then slowly raised the veil that covered Breeza's face and exposed her magnificence. He put both of his hands under her chin and kissed her. Carter and Mecca clapped as Zaire kissed his wife. They both turned towards the door and started to walk down the aisle. But before Zaire took two steps, he turned back to Carter and whispered something that was one of the hardest things he had ever had to ask him. Do you want me to take care of it? Zaire asked. Carter watched as Breeze hugged Mecca and looked at Zaire. Nah, I got it. Enjoy your wedding day. I'll see you when you get back, he said calmly and smoothly, all with a small smile on his face. I love you, Zai," Carter said to his protege that was now a man. I love you too, big homie, Zaire replied. Breeze approached Mecca as he held his arms out. He had tears in his eyes. Crying was something Breeze never saw Mecca do. The tears in Mecca's eyes were ones of joy rather than pain. It felt good to see his sister smiling for a change. He saw Desire Zaire made her happy, and that was what was important to him. He glanced at Zaire, who was talking to Carter, and smirked knowing the would take good care of his sister. Mecca then focused back on the approaching breeze. I love you, sis, Mecca said as she slid into his arms and into his warm embrace. Mecca was so happy to see his sister in the pretty white dress, and he knew that his mother and father would have been proud of her if they were still alive. Their family had been through war and rain, but now it was time for sunshine. He was her only remaining full-blooded relative, and he knew that he symbolized more than himself. He was there on behalf of Monroe, Terran, and their father, Big Carter. I love you too, Mecca, Bree said as she rested her head on his chest and hugged him tightly. Her eyes were closed, but a tear managed to slip down her cheek. She enjoyed that moment like it would be her last. The drama and turmoil that she had been through over the years with the ills of the drug game and the family business had her jaded. She thought about being in the basement of Matisse's home and being hopeless and ready to die. She thought that she would never escape his grasp. But to be married and starting a new chapter in her life brought joy to her heart. Mecca wanted to confess to his sister and tell her all the wrong he had done. Just as he had done with the priest. Nigga, you know it wasn't the priest now, right? Like, you should be aware. You know. Y'all had that talk already. Didn't they? But he could not bring himself to let Breeze know that he had betrayed the family in such a heinous way. How was he supposed to tell her that he had murdered his own twin brother and reignited the beef with the Haitians? All of Mecca's betrayals eventually led to the death of Taryn and Breeze's own kidnapping. How could he tell her this? He couldn't because he feared that she would never forgive him. And he needed his sister to look at him with admiration as she had always done. He needed her love like he needed the air in his lungs. So as he stood before her, the only words he could slip out of his quivering lips were, Sorry. I'm so sorry. He gently grabbed her shoulders and looked into her beautiful eyes. He saw his father's features in Breeze, and also their mother's, and it tore Mecca's insides apart. Breeze looked into Mecca's eyes and felt his pain through the windows to his soul. She didn't understand fully what Mecca was sorry for but something told her not to ask. Breeze just smiled and nodded her head. It's okay, Mecca. I forgive you, she whispered as she wiped a single tear that streamed down his clenched jawbone. She didn't know what she was forgiving Mecca for, but she understood that he needed to experience forgiveness. She felt obligated to let him know that whatever he had done, it was in the past. Zaire finished his brief conversation with Carter and headed over to Mecca and Breeze. He approached Mecca as Breeze stepped back and gave them room to converse. Congratulations, Mecca whispered as he looked at his comrade, Zaire. Thanks, fam, Zaire said with a smirk on his face. He embraced Mecca and hugged him tightly as he cherished the moment. He knew Mecca was a gangster, and real always recognized real. Needless to say, Zaire respected Mecca and vice versa. Mecca noticed as Zaire hugged him tightly, and Mecca felt the genuine love coming from his new brother-in-law. The moment was almost enough to make Mecca cry again, but he held his composure and respected the authenticity of Zaire. Zaire hugged Mecca like it would be the last time he will see him. I love you, bro, Zaire said as he released his embrace. I love you, too. Take care of my sister, a'ight? Mecca said as he winked a breeze. I got you. Zaire said as he held out his arm for Breeze to latch onto. Breeze did so, and they strolled down the aisle and out the door, where a cocaine white limo was waiting for them at the foot of the steps. The newlyweds were off to board a private jet to Rome for a week-long honeymoon. Carter and Mecca watched as they disappeared behind the large double doors of the sanctuary, both of them with smiles on their faces. Mecca looked at Carter and rested his hand on Carter's shoulder. That's our baby sister right there. I'm glad to see her happy, Mecca said with deep sincerity. Yeah, Zaire's a good dude. I raised that kid. I know that he's 100%. No cut. He's going to take care of his family no matter what. Carter stated with a blank expression on his face. Carter's words were like a dagger straight to Mecca's heart. As Mecca thought about his ultimate betrayal of his own family. He knew at that very moment that he wasn't cut from the same cloth as Zaire or Carter. It was the most hurtful truth that he would have to live with for the rest of his life. And it's also exactly what Polo told Carter in book one. We all we got, Mecca said as he looked into Carter's eyes. CMB, we all we got. Am I my brother's keeper? Carter noticed that Mecca's eyes didn't reflect that of a killer. Mecca looked as vulnerable as a young lost boy, and his words were heartfelt and without prejudice. Mecca truly meant what he had just said. He had made the transformation. Mecca was ready to lead the gangster life alone and live life without regrets. He hoped that the new country of Brazil would give him peace of mind and rinse him of the blood that seemed to stain his hands back in Miami. The priest walked up to them and prepared to exit the church. He shook Mecca's hand and then Carter's. Thank you, Father, Carter said as he gripped the priest's hand. The priest exited the church, leaving Mecca and Carter alone. Mecca put both of his hands in his pockets and turned on his heels. Excuse me for a second, bro. I have to make a quick phone call, Mecca said. Carter nodded his head and watched as Mecca faded into the back of the church where the dress room was located. Carter thought back to the day that he was in the confessional booth and Mecca told on himself. He thought about how Mecca had killed the only love of his life, Mia Moore. He also thought about how Mecca cold-bloodedly killed Monroe. Carter shook his head, not believing the disloyal acts of his only remaining brother. Images of Mia Moore smiling and in his arms popped through his thoughts, instantly making Carter chuckle while remembering the bond that they once had shared. He remembered how gangster she was, yet she was so soft, so ladylike. Mia Moore was built for a gangster like him, and Mecca had taken that away from him. I love you, Mia Moore, Carter whispered as he looked to the head of the church and stared at the cross, with the statue of Jesus Christ hanging on it. He hoped Mia Moore heard him from the depths of the heavens. Little did he know, with Mia Moore's resume, she was probably in hell smoking a blunt. That's a real bitch. Y'all wrote that? Like the quote, y'all wrote that? And you wrote, that's a real bitch? At the end, like you proud of yourself, that wasn't even Carter thinking that, or Mecca thinking that, that was y'all thinking that, and y'all real proud of yourself, that's a real bitch. Mecca held his cell phone up to his ear, waiting for the person he was calling to answer. I'm on my way to the airport now, Lena said as she smiled and made her way through the airport with her son by her side. She wore oversized sunglasses and a wrap over her head to try and disguise herself from any of Essis' goons. Her son had on a baseball cap and heavy clothing, making him chunkier than usual. She was in a rush, trying to get to Mecca, the man she loved, the man who had once almost taken her life. She had snuck away from Essex and was on her way to Brazil to raise her son with Mecca. Mecca smiled when he heard her voice, and the thought of sharing a life with Lena was inspirational. Hurry up and get to me, baby, Mecca said, filled with joy. I can't wait to see you, Lena said as she gave the flight attendant her boarding passes. I can't wait to see you either, beautiful. I'm going to make this right, and we're going to be a family. I'm going to raise that boy like he's mine and teach him how to be a man, a good man. Just like his father was, Mecca said, meaning every word of what he was saying. I know you are, Mecca. I know. We're on our way. Mecca Diamond? I love you, Lena said as she boarded the plane. I love you more, Mecca said just before he flipped down his cell phone and smiled. Thank you, Lord, Mecca whispered. He was beginning to believe that there was a God. He was determined to get a better relationship with his Savior and live his life right. He couldn't wait until the rest of the family arrived in Brazil so his new life could begin. Nevertheless, he would never get to see them. Mecca heard the sound of a gun being cocked behind him. But he didn't seem startled or even turn around for that matter. He just took a deep breath and placed his hands together in a praying gesture. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. How the fuck he know this prayer? Mecca said, as tears slid down his face. That's me asking how he know that prayer. He already knew who was behind him. And it came as no surprise to him. Carter began to recite the prayer alone with his brother as he pointed the gun to the back of Mecca's head. Mecca had always known that Carter would eventually seek revenge for Mia Moore's death. He allowed her way too much not to come after him. Mecca's only dilemma had been to figure out when and where Carter would take his life. Mecca was a seasoned street veteran, and the only thing that he knew for sure was that the eyes don't lie. And on that day, Carter could not hide the hatred he had inside. Carter knew that if he let Mecca live, Mecca would possibly turn on him one day just as he did to Monroe. He also felt obligated to avenge Mia Moore's death, so killing Mecca was inevitable. Mecca also knew the game. Mecca realized that if he were in Carter's shoes, he would have done the same, so he wasn't mad at Carter for what he was about to do. Once the prayer was over, Mecca stood unflinchingly, with his heart pounding through his chest. There was no malice in his heart, only regret but he knew that his older brother was about to deliver his retribution. I love you, Carter, Mecca said as he straightened up his tie and prepared for his death. I love you too, Carter replied sincerely as he wrapped his finger around the trigger. I always will, bro. Boom! A single slug went through the back of Mecca's head and cleared through his forehead. Rocking him to sleep forever For real, y'all still using that term? Rocking him to sleep forever at the hands of his own flesh and blood Karma's real And the cartel was no more Epilogue Diamonds are forever Carter Diamond Lena covered her ears and took deep breaths as the plane flew through the turbulent skies She hated to fly But she hated being apart from Mecca even more She knew that Essie's would be hurt when he read the letter she had written. A single note was all she had left behind. She knew that he would never understand why she had chosen Mecca over him, but it was something she had to do. It was a decision that only she would understand. Her heart jumped out of her chest as the plane dipped violently, almost as if it would fall from the sky. She snuggled her son tightly to her chest and whispered, Please God, keep this thing in the air. The captain turned on the seatbelt light, only scaring Lena even more. She instinctively reached out to grip the arm of the gentleman sitting next to her. Oh, I'm sorry. This flying thing kind of has me shook, she explained in embarrassment. It's okay. You're good. The turbulence is really only potholes in the sky. They won't do any real damage. They're only good at causing uneasy passengers a nice scare, he said. Lena nodded and inhaled deeply to calm her nerves. Besides, if you ever want to know something's wrong, all you got to do is look at the flight attendants. When they panic, you panic. But until then, you're good, he said. Lena snuck a gaze at the stewardess and noticed that she was calm as ever and joking with one of her colleagues. Lena smiled and shook her head in amazement. Thanks. That actually gave me peace of mind, she said to the guy beside her. No problem. Let me know if you need my arm again, though. I'll be happy to lend it to you, he replied with a smirk and the wink of an eye. I'm Lena, she introduced. Murder, he replied. Wow, that's quite a name, she stated. Murder smiled, but he didn't reply as he glanced at her sleeping son. The young boy looked like a tiny replica of the very man he wanted to kill. He was definitely a member of the diamond lineage, a bloodline the Murder planned on destroying. The funeral service may have been convincing to everyone else, but in the back of Murder's mind, he had known that it was all for show. How? You drove away before he even pushed the fucking button. How? How? It was no coincidence that he was on the same plane as Lena. He knew that if he followed her, sooner or later she would lead him to the cartel. How? You don't even know? How? How? What? and as he sat next to her, his trigger finger began to itch. What brings you all the way to Brazil? Lena asked. I have a score to settle with an old friend. Unfinished business. Breeze boarded the private jet with Zyre behind her. He tapped her lightly on the backside, and she giggled like a schoolgirl as she swatted his hand away. I don't know why you acting shy for I'm about to induct you into this mile-high club, he said jokingly. He was completely at ease for the first time in years. There was no business to tend to, no reason to watch his back every second, and no street code to uphold. It was just him and Breeze. Nothing had ever felt so right, and happiness surged through him as he sat next to his wife. You're so silly, Breeze said as she leaned into his shoulder and rested her forehead against his. I can't believe we did it. I can't believe I'm married. Do I make you happy? He asked. as He gripped her chin gently. She nodded. You know that you do, she replied as their tongues met. Finally, they were together, and all of the horrible things that had kept them apart for so long no longer mattered. They were soulmates, and had weathered the storms that life had thrown towards their way. Now it was time for their new lives to begin. I'm going to get a few blankets from the flight attendant before we take off, Bree said. She stood, still dressed in her beautiful white dress, and walked past Zaire. Yo, B, he called after her. She turned around and was so radiant that his breath caught in his chest. I love you. I know you do, Zaire. You know everything there is to know about me and you still love me. That's why I love you so much, she said. She blew him a quick kiss before walking to the front of the plane. Zaire closed his eyes in relaxation, but it was soon interrupted when he heard Breeze's blood-curdling scream. He jumped from his seat and ran to the front just as Breeze came staggering back down the aisle. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. you." A knife was embedded deeply inside her chest, causing her white dress to slowly turn bloody red as the wound in her chest bled out. Her eyes were open wide in bewilderment, and her hand reached out to Zaire. Breeze, he cried. No, Ma, not now. Not like this. She opened her mouth to speak, but choked on her own blood as she fell into his arms. Help me. Somebody, please. Zaire gripped the knife and tried to pull it from Breeze's body. But the more he tugged on it, the more blood seeped out. No, Ma, no. You got to live, he whispered. Breeze's eyes spoke to him, telling him all the things that she could not physically say. I love you too, Ma, forever, baby girl. He said to her, "Don't die on me, Breeze. I'm gonna get you some help." He was too heartbroken to even worry about who had harmed her. He just wanted to get her help and keep the love of his life alive. He picked her up, scooping her into his arms as she struggled to hold on, but it was no use. His wife died in his arms before he could even step off the plane. He buried his head in her long hair as he let out a scream of agony. It wasn't until he heard footsteps in front of him that he looked up. Hello, Zaire, Iliana stated with a devious leer as she pointed a gun directly at him. How you get a gun on the plane? How you get a gun past security? How you get a gun past all that shit they do to make sure terrorists ain't got guns on a plane? He instantly regretted leaving his pistol behind. While reveling in his newfound love with Breeze, he had gotten too comfortable, and that mistake had cost him dearly. As she pulled back the hammer of the pistol and wrapped her finger around the trigger, he didn't even look at her. He focused his attention back on Breeze and hugged her dead body tightly. They had been so close to escaping it all. They had almost had their happy ending, but almost doesn't count. Zaire closed his eyes as he waited for the inevitable shot that would end his life. Carter Diamond, the man who had started it all, sat at the head of the rectangular dining table and smiled as he looked around at his children. His beautiful wife, Taryn, sat directly across from him at the other end. Finally, they were all together again. Heaven had opened its gates for the entire Diamond family. No, it it wouldn't have. And they all sat amongst a feast fit for kings as they enjoyed this fateful reunion. Monroe hugged Mecca tightly in forgiveness as Taryn looked on in amazement at Breeze in her beautiful wedding dress. So, so y'all believe that niggas go to heaven wearing the pelly pail that they died in? Okay. So, what happens to all the niggas who died in the bathtub butt naked? That's awkward. The ones who died sitting on the toilet with shit coming out of their ass. That's awkward. All the while, Carter Diamond presided over them all. He was as distinguished in the afterlife as he had been on earth, and his heart swelled at the sight of his family. They had been reunited at last. Death had come for them all, and only had one last member to claim. Young Carter's seat was the only one that sat empty. And although Carter Diamond was proud of his oldest son for surviving in a gang where so many had fallen, a part of him still wished that he could be there at this moment. He belonged with his family. Taryn walked over to her husband's side and kissed his cheek. He'll be here soon enough. This is fucked up that this family is sitting there like, he'll be dead soon enough. Don't even worry about it, Dad. Don't even worry about it, dog. Let him live his life. And when it's his time, he'll fill that seat and our family will be complete. Carter Diamond nodded and kissed his wife's cheek as he raised his pure gold wine goblet. To my beautiful wife, twin sons, my dearest Breeze, and to my son who isn't amongst us just yet, I love you all, he toasted. They all raised their glasses and drank together as they watched over young Carter. Through him, the legacy of the cartel lived on, and it wouldn't end until he had joined them in heaven, where diamonds lived forever. It's the dumbest fucking ending I've ever read in my entire goddamn life. First of all. You know these niggas ain't going to heaven. They ain't sniffing heaven. They ain't seeing heaven. They ain't looking at heaven. They can't even spell heaven. They better go to Nevea. They ain't going to heaven. They're going slam to hell. All of them. Except for maybe Breeze. And fuck you. I ain't forget. Fuck you for what you did to her. Also. If Zaire's dead and y'all ain't letting him sit at this table when he's a son in law now, that's fucked up. But fuck you and fuck this book, and I'm glad that it's over. 916 633 1537. and at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Podchaser. You can leave a review for the episode or the show as a whole. Um, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you can, leave one on Stitcher and then let me know how you did it so I can find it. You can become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash single simulcast. You can donate to the show so I can buy the rest of these dumbass books, because yes, there's more, at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. And if you're on Good Pod, shout out to y'all for helping us become one of the top ten shows. I appreciate it. You can uh, donate to us at the tip jar that we left in the profile. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Fuck this book. Peace. And what the fuck are they commencing? The book is called The Cartel Three Commencement. What are they commencing? Literally everything ends. What are we commencing? Their life in heaven? Are you telling me that they're going to be kicking it with Jesus? Are they going to sell God some blow? Like, get the fuck out of my face.